Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and next to me, as always, is Matt. Hello. And it is season one. Yes, it is here. We are here. We're back. Yes. So excited. Is it a comeback or did we never leave? We never left. So it's not a comeback? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> welcome to our first official season. I mean, I can't say it's our first official podcast because we've done almost 100 of these bloody things. Yes. But... We have made the changeover to a focused seasonal format. And, well, I'm excited and I would like to say you're excited. Very, very excited. So this season is titled Success Leaves Clues. Why is that? Because success does leave clues. Oh, okay. So it kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? (laughs) So, yeah, we've titled the season Success Leaves Clues. The focus of... This season is a bit of a deep dive into, I suppose, the the common threads that run through people that have success with their weight loss and their transformations. I think it's the common threads, but also how different everybody is, which there, is fantastic. Yes. Yeah, that was the, the next part in that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I'm used to it. That everyone's story is a little bit different, but you'll find there are, there are indeed some, with this season, you'll discover there are a couple of common things that go from person to person. So a, a lot of this season is uh, interview-based. Yeah. So you can look forward over the coming, well, I suppose the coming months, to having some interviews with people that have achieved some pretty extraordinary things personally, but they've all come from different backgrounds and have different challenges that come with it. But there are some, some common through lines that they all share so uh, we thought we would kick the season off with a bit of discussion from Courtney and I from our perspective as trainers and coaches. So we're not going to really get too much um, in depth in this episode from a personal perspective. We'll save that for a coming, coming couple of episodes in the season. But this is Matt and Courtney, the trainers and coaches talking just about, I suppose, the, in terms of success leaves clues where we've seen people get it right. And in the interest of being honest and, and fair, where people have fucked it up. Yeah. We've, we've done this for a long time now. We've worked with enough people where I couldn't give you an exact number. And success does leave clues, but guess what? So does failure. Would you agree, Courtney? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you can learn just as much from the mistakes and... I guess the failures, the failure is a big word though to use. Well, it is a big word to use, but let's let's be real about this. We've seen people fail. Now, yeah. and I mean fail in terms of what I consider the definition of failure, which is quitting. Yes. I've seen that countless numbers of times of people quitting on themselves for one reason or another, and it's worth having the discussion about that because yes. there are there are common threads there with that side of the coin as well. So it is probably, I suppose, worth just 
reiterating that failure doesn't mean struggle and it doesn't mean making mistakes. To me, and I, I would like to get your thoughts here, Courtney, failure is quitting. You it, quit, yeah. you failed. It's definitely a, a, a quitting type of mentality. Okay. And I think that it's that it can really should only be applied to that. I think that the word fail or failure gets thrown around a little too often. And I can understand why it's sort of just like our go-to phrase when something well, goes wrong. It's tied into mistakes a lot, which I'm yeah. not comfortable with personally. No, I think that it's 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 thrown around a little too often, mm. and it needs to be pulled back a little bit. And there does need to be a good sort of line in the sand where there is a difference between making a mistake or making an error and failing. And I think that they're yeah. two very different things. So yes, I'm really glad you brought that up. And I think it needs to be really emphasized that there are two different things. So some of the things we talk about in terms of why people fail, these might be things that you might have done in the past where you think, oh, I did that. Have I failed? You may not necessarily apply to you as a failure because you didn't let it make you quit. We'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. that that's, that's part of the structure of this show. So as, as we said, we will talk about where we've seen people succeed and also where we've seen them struggle and fail. But I think, Courtney, we should start with, since we're talking in this episode from our perspective as trainers, I think we should give ourselves a bit of a professional introduction. So, you know, how did we get into the industry? What have we done? What do we do? You want to start with yourself? Sure, I can start with me. I... How did I get into the industry? Well, mine yeah. came after you. So it's probably easier if you go first, to be honest, because I sort of came in after you'd already started. So I think the story does start with you, Matt. So throw it back. All right, why not? I'll take it. So I became a PT in... I was officially certified in August 2010, which is an alarmingly long time ago now but doesn't feel like it. Feels like it was last week. Uh, I got in because I was unhappy with my work and my career at the time. I just moved uh, moved interstate to, to where we are now in Melbourne, Australia, and was very unhappy with where my life was going at the time. So what came along with my dissatisfaction with my career led to me going backwards personally. So getting heavier, just losing, losing what I built for myself personally in terms of, um, you know, dropping all the weight, getting in shape, performance, etc. I was also going downhill mentally. And uh, I had plenty of people in my ear over the years leading up to it, like, oh, gee, Matt, you'd be a good trainer. And like most people, I'm like, nah, I could never do that. You know, it's like you talk yourself out of things. Uh, but eventually had a snap point in terms of like, fuck it. I hate what I'm doing. I think I could, you know, you start to believe, like, actually, I could do that. Why couldn't I? You know, rather than give yourself reasons why you can't, you give yourself reasons why you can. So made the jump, <clears throat> excuse me, made the jump into into the, the industry, getting certified. Uh, and like most or a lot of PTs at the time, started working out of big big chain gym, 
the commercial gym scene. Uh, built up some some runs on the board there, uh, including meeting my wife, which is a highlight, you might say. That's me. <laughs> just just to be clear, that's you, yes. And uh, eventually led to uh, opening our own gym. Yes. So you you get success. Uh, you help people achieve what they want, and I've always learned that by helping others, that's how you help yourself. Yeah. And you, you've got to you got to be a friend to get a friend, as the saying goes. <laughs> you heard that one before? No, I like that. Thank you. I can't say I made it up because I stole it, I, <laughs> but it's a great saying. So anyway, you help others, and that's how you help yourself. And open up open up our own gym, which uh, was highly successful. And we even had that gym when we launched this podcast. A couple of years ago. Yes. So the gym uh, pumped along quite well, and now we have no gym. No. Oh, my God, we failed. We're gymless. We're gymless. We're trainers without a gym. Uh, we're now fully online. Uh, we um, and myself fully online work with people all over the world, uh, achieving achieving their their big-time goals. Yeah. And I suppose I've, I've got a pretty cool podcast as well that I co-host with you. Yes. And along the way, uh, I've put together, I've, you know, let's pump my own tires up here for a second, a pretty good portfolio of transformations. Yes. From a from my perspective as a trainer. Uh, won a couple of awards, a couple of Trainer of the Year awards. Yes. Uh, which honestly no one gives a fuck about, but it's a nice little plaque uh, just over there on the bookcase. Yes, in our, in our recording in studio. In our studio, just to remind me, actually, Matt, you do do a decent job sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I also now, and for a couple of years now, have the distinct privilege of being a mentor to other PTs and coaches, which is a, uh, a real passion of mine. Is like Obviously, I love helping people, but the trainers in particular, um, I really do get a buzz out of because uh, it's, it's almost like giving back, mm. I guess you could say. And, uh, and that's where I'm at. Well, good good job. So where I fit into this is when we opened our own studio. So before we opened our own studio, Matt, we I was working in a different industry. Very different. So once Matt and I decided to open our own studio, that is when I started to train uh, other people. So that's when my sort of journey as a trainer began. Before that, I was in a completely unrelated industry. So having that change up was really refreshing at the time. It was really, I loved it. You're burying the lead. Have you ever heard the phrase burying the lead? No. Okay. You, you've just told a story and left out the best part. What was it? What got you to become a PT? Oh, yes. So I met Matt back when he was working at a different gym, a commercial gym. Yeah. Uh, and he was my trainer. At the time when I was going through my weight loss journey. The first and last time you ever took instruction from me. Now it's the other way around. Correct. So, <laughs> so Matt was my trainer at this other gym and that's where we first met. And then, yes, once we had started dating, I think we'd even just moved in together. And then you came out with the awesome timing idea of, I want to start my own gym. <laughs> Well, that was the the direction I got from my coach. Yeah. Like, hey, Matt, you're good enough to get your own gym, and eventually, it's like, you know what? He's probably right. Yes. 
So the timing was interesting um, for us in that moment, but mm. we made it work. And yeah, that's when I started working with Matt in the gym and training people. Oh dear. What? You've buried the lead again. Ah, oh, what? What was the trigger that got you to become a PT that made you look good from the outset? Oh, because I lost a lot of weight. I got myself into uh, shape. Is that what you're talking about? Your bikini photo shoot. Oh, How the fuck do you forget that? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Like that's... I thought that came after, but... Okay, so should probably should probably just state for the record here, my... My memory is really, really good. Is Courtney's is really, really not Terrible. good. <laughs> I'm actually good though, remembering things that like happened just, five minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, just happened. <laughs> but years ago is another story. So yes, I when we were opening the gym before I started training people and helping Matt in the gym, I was still unhappy with the way that I looked. I don't already lost quite a bit of weight but I was still sort of hit a bit of a plateau Mm. in my progression and I just didn't really know what to do where to go I was sort of sitting in a bit of a I just felt really stale with my training with everything a bit of a Mm. funk so we decided to come up I can't remember who decided to come up with the idea I remember it was you because it was me. Damn. I mean, uh, really, I come I was, up with some stupid things sometimes. Courtney probably doesn't remember this part either. Courtney had a breakdown. I, I one do day. remember that. Uh, we were driving home um, from a lunch date with some friends, and Courtney started crying in the car. And Courtney had the idea to uh, put put it on herself to, I suppose, put herself on the hook to do a bikini photo shoot the photos of which you'll see for the show notes page for this episode at where? Theweightlosspodcast.com. Thank you. Very good. Uh, Courtney wanted to, I suppose, demonstrate, because we we had the idea of Courtney becoming a PT and working with me. And, but you, you at the time, Courtney wanted, you felt like a fraud, Mm. which a lot of PTs can relate to. Mm. Uh, I've had that feeling from time to time as well. You felt like a fraud, but wanted to lead by example. Yes. So it was actually your idea to do the photo shoot. I tried not to make it obvious how excited I was <laughs> just because I've seen what that does Yeah. for trainers on a professional level because ultimately it's credibility, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's also helping you get like that. Well, at the time, it was helping me get a bit of a kickstart in terms of pushing past that sort of funk um, sort of stale plateau that I was sitting in. It helps a number of areas. Like it helps you personally mm. to go to the next level, mm. but also from the perspective of being a trainer and a coach, it's like, well, the industry we work in is very much a what can you do for me industry. Yes. And Courtney and I both know that honestly, no one actually buys exercise programs. No one buys nutrition programs. Like no one gives a shit about that stuff. People buy an outcome and they buy a feeling and certifications don't put that across what you can do for someone. Uh, Meal plans sure as hell don't. Training programs don't. Photos and stories, however, and and actual lead by example, that does show what you can do. Yeah. Yeah, so that's when the idea was created to set a date for 
a photo shoot but in a bikini so it was something that I was not comfortable doing in the first place which was a photo shoot and then you add another layer of uncomfort to it which discomfort. is discomfort thank you um which is to do it in a bikini where you can't hide where I can't hide and it was it was sort of to come up with an idea of and I mean a, a photo shoot in a bikini is not for everyone but for me at the time it was to come up with something that was going to push me outside my comfort zone to a point where I could never actually, I would never be on a beach in a bikini, let alone in a photo shoot in a bikini. So it was that, that was really the whole idea around doing the photo shoot in a bikini. So that sort of pushed me on for the rest of that year. I can't remember when we decided to do it. I'm going to say it was in the, definitely the first half of the year. Would have been around uh, April or May. I was going to say And May, you gave yourself until your birthday. Which was December. Yes. Mid-December. Yes. So I gave myself. It was a good myself, six, eight months. Yeah. And to get into as best shape as I could by that photo shoot. And we advertised that I was going to do the photo shoot so I couldn't back out even if I wanted to. And yeah, it was that was fantastic experience for me and really led me into being able to help Matt in the gym, train people, and yeah, I was training people in the gym right up until we didn't have it anymore. It gave you instant credibility as well, and that's what also helped me uh, with my career is having my own personal achievement to go in because, I mean, how many fucking trainers are there? Like, (laughs) there's a lot of us, especially now where every dickhead on Instagram thinks they're a trainer as well. But what sets you apart? It's, you know, like what results do you have with the people in the market you want to work with? So that's how we got into it. I think what we should do now, Courtney, is describe who we actually work with. So we've we've now worked with enough people where you can put together a bit of a profile. Mm. So... Can we describe who the hell we've actually worked with? Yes, I'm sure we could. Okay, is this the part where I start or you start? (laughs) Well, are we talking about a general overview of the people we work with tend to be people that are very unhappy with the way they look? Yes. A? Yes. Generally, it's a weight issue. Generally, it's a weight issue. Now, in saying that, it's not that, that we haven't worked with people that are underweight before we have, but the most of the people, the clients that we work with, people that are dealing with an overweight problem, that they feel, well, they feel it has become a big problem in their life. Or it's been a problem for a long period of time. So I've noticed the type of people that we work with doesn't so much fit, say, a gender no. or an age bracket. It more fits a, a set of problems. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. So I've, I've noticed that there'll be people that have damaged relationships with food. Yes. Absolutely have damaged relationships with themselves and pretty, pretty I'm not going to say warped, but unhealthy self-perceptions. Yes. They have destructive habits, yes. self-sabotaging habits. They usually have tried a lot of other things before... We see them. The, yeah, we, we tend to be the last stop. So the people that come to us tend to be people that will, when we ask them what diets have they done, the answer is usually everything. Like yes. that quote, everything. 
Lots, yeah. You know, and when you actually ask for the breakdown of what that is, like it's a list as long as my arm. Yeah. You know, so they, they, they think they've tried everything, which and everything in terms of what they tell us tends to be those, the shitty gimmicks well, they're mo- they're, that are out the there. The really well-known stuff that are, are oh, heavy, well, heavily advertised well, let's, stuff. Let's look at this. Meal replacements. Yes. Meal plans. Uh, short-term fixes, cleanses, detoxes. Uh, celebrity training programs. Yeah. A lot of celebrity endorsed stuff and a lot of... Short-term. short-term Honestly, short-term. They are. Short-term they really all one. are. Um, fixes that tend to have a a small uh, day, week sort of uh, time frame attached it's a, to them. It's a very narrow focus and very much a diet-oriented approach. Yes. We've never had people come to us that have said, oh, well... I've done this structured program for the last three years. You notice that? No, it's, like it's, hasn't, it's never been, that. hasn't been. I've, I've really, you know, eaten healthy and, and done this structured workout program for the last three years and it just doesn't seem to be working for me. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that is a, that's very well said. That Generally, we're the ones that introduce those sort of things. Uh, but the I've noticed that the age really could be pretty much mid-20s into 50s. Yeah, even 60s. Yeah. I mean, mean, I don't think it's really hard. You couldn't put an age sort of limit on our demographic or gender because there is no age limit or gender that is immune to feeling these issues. Very well said. So in that way, we couldn't possibly put that limitation on our, our, our... no, that's why, that's why I have viewed it for a while now as being it's not a certain type of person, it's a certain type of problem yes. or problems that come. So you look at the breakdown here, like emotional eating. Yes. A lot of them, uh, the people we worked with, are intimidated by gyms. Yes. Now, I could break that down even further. I have noticed the intimidation more often than not tends to come from I don't know what I'm doing. Mm more than the people in the gym scare me yeah. because let's be honest most people in the gym don't know what they're doing either yes <laughs> we we see that often when we go to train yes but a lot of the intimidation i've noticed does come from well what how do i do this where do i start how do i structure this it's just a, a lack of knowledge more than anything else so they're intimidated by gyms in that regard uh a lot of them as well really talk themselves out of it mm. as well. So I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, well, you've got to have, you've got to believe you can. Like, honestly, you're not going to believe it until you've done it. Yeah. We know that for sure. Uh, but a lot of people, the people that we work with, almost beat themselves down mentally. Mm. I would agree with that. Any other, any other well, common things you've noticed with people we work with or problems they've got? I think as well with beating the, people beating themselves down mentally. I think it's a, it's it that's also a habitual thing because when you've tried often tried so many things as we've discussed, that a lot of clients will come to us having tried so many things and it's always failed for them mm. that habit then it becomes a habit that. They just believe that everything then is going to fail, that nothing's going to work. Well said. That, that, that does come from when you think you've tried everything. Yeah. And uh, the response, whenever someone says that to me, the response is, well, you've tried everything except a long-term structured approach with accountability. As yeah. in, you tried everything that sucks. 
which yeah. is, you know, that's, that's the way it works. Yeah. Other issues that people have in common in terms of the people we've worked with, they are, on one, on one hand, you could say they're time poor. On the other hand, I would say they have poor time management. Yes. More than time poor. Yes. We all have this, last I checked, we all have the same amount of time every single day. Yes. Unless there's any thing I'm missing there. No. We've all got 24 hours in a day, right? I think perception of time is warped and people are time poor and have poor time management as a result. Or other way around, actually, they're time poor because their time management sucks. Mm. Uh, other common issues they have, I find, is they overvalue motivation mm. and think this is what I need to get this done. When actually, and we'll talk about this as we get further into this, when it comes to motivation, it's when this is done right, it's the last thing you need. Yeah. Because it's taken out of the equation. Yeah. But the perception is, oh, well, I fail because I'm not motivated. Like, there's more than that. And we'll get into that. But it's a very common theme. Yes. For sure. I think as well, a common theme with people we work with is they always have niggles, mm. aches and pains, old injuries, things you pick up along the way. There's always something. And a lot of people that I've worked with will almost blame themselves in terms of, oh, well, I've got this injury. Ugh, I can't train normally. I can't do a quote-unquote normal exercise program. Like, what the fuck's that? Yeah. Like, no, there is no such thing as a normal training program. Like, mine is different to Courtney's and mine's different to my clients and theirs is different to me. It's, there, there's no such thing as normal. No. You know, but again, that's a common thing that comes with it. Anything else you've noticed? I think, again, I think a lot of those fears based around that are from what a lot of people have done in the past. Yeah. Because a lot of these programs that people will do, they're not individualized. They are generic. So then it it becomes then a lot of fear based around, then you start to think to yourself, everything's going to be like this. Nothing's going to work for my particular problem. And so I think the biggest fear for a lot of people when they come to us is feeling like they're just going to get another generic program, which is not going to work for them. And I can't blame them for that because I, because uh, I've worked with so many trainers now over the last five, six years, I could write a book on the horror stories of PTs. Like that's, that's a podcast. That's probably a podcast season unto itself. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, it is. But I can never blame a person for having a distrust. Mm. And if they approach us about working with us, about being wary, like, fuck, I would be too. Yeah. Because the industry is full of charlatans and gimmicks and fakes and frauds. Now, on, on one hand, it's like, well, it's unfortunate that we have to contend with that. But on the other hand, I look at it like this. All the shitty PTs and coaches out there, they just make us look even better. Yeah. When we do our job. So it's fine by me. Yeah, I think so. So any any other uh, common issues, Courtney, you've noticed with, with clients we've worked with, with over the years, common problems, struggles? I don't think so. I think, we're, I think we're, if we move on into success and failures, we might... Think of some extras then. Yeah, true that. All right, so let's let's go on to the the next sort of thing here. Where do people fail? 
So we again, we've worked with hundreds and hundreds of, I've worked with hundreds of people and you've worked with quite a few now, Courtney, yourself, enough where you can see patterns mm. and you start to see common threads of things. Where, where have you seen people fail? What comes up the most for you from your experience? To me, it's, it, it's those, the time factor to me, I think is a big one. What do you mean time factor? So, timeline? Timeline. So when people aren't willing to commit to a long-term solution. That is one of the biggest ones I find. People can say that they're happy to do that. They can say that they understand that it's going to take them a long time. Talk is cheap. But when people say things and what they're feeling can often be two very different things. And unless you've really reconciled that in your mind, then you can say it as much as you want, but you're still not going to be able to believe it and you still then end up, you're going to end up quitting because you feel that you should have achieved something sooner you feel that you deserve to have got results sooner there's a sense of i've done this work i deserve more and i think that all comes back to not having reconciled with yourself that this is not going to happen in the time frame you want it to i would agree entirely i think if that's not the number one thing i've seen where people fail it's one b yeah in terms of unrealistic expectations and an unrealistic timeline on how this works. And I think also there's a sense of entitlement that is completely unwarranted. Like, listen, dummy, you've been doing this for a month. You ain't going to change dramatically just yet. I was so about to say, it comes down to a realistic, there are unrealistic expectations on time. There is a sense of, of denial I don't want it to be right like I don't want that timeline to be right I'm going to hold out hope that I'm going to be the one person that's going to defy defy this logic good luck with that but there is also a sense of entitlement which is and it because I also think it comes from um a sense of entitlement versus effort people feel like because I've put in effort I deserve Results. And there's something worth touching on. It's what they think is enough effort. Yes. Where it's like, well, if you're not changing, maybe it's not enough effort. That's right. But that incentives of entitlement tends to override that because they just think to themselves, people often think, you know, and people have said it to me. I put in all of this time and effort. Why aren't I changing? Or like, why am I changing faster? And it's really, that's going to be your attitude like that's the most important thing to you right now like that's the biggest problem Mm. to you right now Mm. and again I think that it all comes stems back down to that not not having that inner conversation with yourself and not coming to the understanding that it's not going to happen as quickly as you want it to it's just not another common area I see people fail is and it touches on what you spoke about Courtney is they don't think long term so it's the finish line in their mind is like six weeks away, 12 weeks away. Mm. Like Courtney and I, we actually don't work with clients for less than 12 months, but even then they need longer than that. Yeah, that, it, that that's, it that, just stops the people saying, oh, it, you, got, you used to have clients that would come to us and say, I've got a wedding to go to in three months' time that I want to get in shape for. Too late. Really? 
too late. But you also think to yourself, really, is that wedding the most important thing in your life right now? It's not even your wedding. You're just a guest. Why is that the most important thing for you to do in the next three months? So you're not... You're not thinking logically about the situation, about the long-term ramifications to only focusing on the next three months. And the the short the short-term mindset does a lot of people in because mm. they put they put an uh, an ending to where they're at. But the thing is, to me, there's no finish line. It's just end of chapters and beginnings of new ones. Well, it has to be because. You know, it was described to me once, and I'll never forget this explanation because I think it's quite relevant. I mean, it's not scientific or anything like that, but we had a client once who was a dental nurse, and she described it. She likened her own journey to someone having braces. And I thought, and the way, and at first off, I was like, okay, where are you going with this? But it actually made sense after she explained it. She said, if someone, if, if a young girl has braces, your teeth, are always going to want to, that that girl's teeth are always going to want to go back to the crooked form they were in originally. So they'll have braces, but for the rest of that girl's life, she's going to have to wear like a retainer at night to keep them in the straight position that they now sit in because they're, for some reason, their teeth will always want to go back to the way they used to be. And she likened her own weight loss journey in the same way. She said... The way that my body is now, my body to her always wants to become that fat girl again. It's hmm. always going to want to go back to the way it used to be. That's a very good analogy. I so like she that. said, that makes sense. If I know, she got to the point where she understood that for the rest of her life, she always had to set new goals for herself hmm. to keep her accountable because she knew that if she got complacent, that she would go back to the overweight, unhappy girl that was sitting, she felt like it was just sitting inside her waiting to come back I think out. a lot of people are like that. I know you and I are. Uh, another area I see, and I've seen people failing um, commonly, honestly, they don't value themselves. They're not, they don't feel like they deserve. Well, it's a combination of that, but also they're not prepared to prioritize themselves. Mm. Now we've we've done episodes of this podcast previously talking about a need to be selectively selfish and like we weren't joking. No, it's very true. Like it, we you, find that parents find struggle with this concept the most, don't we? Pa- parents do the most, but I would I wouldn't obviously wouldn't limit that to parents. No, I I am of the point where I think this affects most people mm. because there's there could be a Lack of self worth could just have it be be a pleaser by nature. Uh, naturally, naturally, a people pleaser, which is something that you fall into. Yes, Courtney, I used to fall into, and thankfully these days <laughs> probably go too much the other way. Really, um, but definitely, there's a, a lack of self prioritization. Yes, that's a common area where people fail. And with that comes an unwillingness to invest in themselves, yes. be it money, time, effort, whichever way you want to put it. You know, that's that's a common area. Any other things you've noticed where people fail? I, actually, can I say one more that really, really shits me off? Not accepting responsibility. Yeah. To the point where I think there's a lot of blame shifting. Yes. 
So I will, I will, this, this doesn't work for me, but you've put no effort in, mate. Like, get your head out of your ass. That's one thing I've been told by people myself. And like these days, the response is a lot less friendly than it used to be. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, I don't think this works for me. Well, actually, dumbass, you're not working for it. Yeah. So shut the fuck up. I think as well that along that same train of thought in terms of responsibility being taken, I think that it's where um, the line then gets blurred between mistakes and failure and people refuse to take responsibility for mistakes, which is if you just took responsibility for mistakes made, everybody makes mistakes, then you could move past it. You You can just... Take responsibility for a mistake made. Yes, it might be shitty because you might have gone backwards a little bit or, you know, yeah. something's happened that is is it, it's not a pleasant thing. No one likes to make mistakes. It's not an enjoyable feeling. But it's something that has to be taken responsibility for. You have to reconcile it with yourself and say, okay, we're going to move on. But where the line then gets blurred when people refuse to take responsibility for mistakes made and then that automatically turns into failure because you can't move on unless you take responsibility for most mistakes. Well, it probably comes from a, you might call it, say, a failure-based mindset, which is a lot different to a growth mindset. And I suppose that goes into the next thing where where I've seen people fail so commonly is of how they frame mistakes mm. and how they view them. And almost, actually not almost, but actually how they fear them. Oh, I'm so afraid of making a mistake. I'll look bad. I'll fail. And that can lead to inaction. Yes. And that's the worst type of action is inaction. Yes. Unquestionably. So I think a failure-based mindset is a massive form of self-sabotage, which is obviously the next area where people fail frequently. Yes. They shoot themselves in the foot. Yes. For a variety of reasons, mind you. Like that could be that's that's an episode by itself. Yes. Self-sabotage. But how often do you see that? Oh, so often. Oh, the reasons for it. There's numerous reasons for self-sabotage. But the actual behavior itself is frequent, mm. highly frequent. Could it be a fear of failure? Could it be a fear of success? That's, that's an individual discussion. Yeah. Where else do you see or have you seen people fail commonly? I'll tell you, can I, can I give another one? Because I'm going to get on a roll now. Yeah. Okay, I'll use the quote. Quote, it's okay... I can do it by myself, unquote. Wah, wah. Yes. If you think you can do something by yourself that you haven't done before, I have a bridge I'd like to sell you. Yeah. I'll sell you the Sydney Harbour Bridge because you're in fucking denial. And we know this firsthand ourselves. Yes. Any success that we've had has not come from the individual doing it by themselves. No. Does not work that way. But how often how often have we heard that from people? Oh yeah. Now I've actually heard this from from people where they may have worked with us for a period of time, achieved nothing, and then on the way out the door after quitting, oh it's okay, I can do it by myself. It's like really? You haven't done it with help. How do you do it without help? Like, come on. Yeah. 
Yeah, agreed? I totally agree. Any other things you've noticed? Uh, I think that's all that I could think of at the time, but we might touch on a few more when we give our transformation tips at the end. Okay, so let's flip this over and get a bit more positive. Where, where have we seen people succeed? Because now we've, I mean, let's, let's, in the interest of full transparency, like Courtney and I aren't going to sit here and say to you that every client we've ever worked with has succeeded. No, most have actually failed for the reasons we just mentioned above. Yes. However, we've had some pretty epic successes, you might say. Yes. Enough where there are also patterns that come with that. So what have we noticed in terms of where, where people succeed? What are the common threads? Well, I'll, I'll kick off with the first one. They all have a reason to change that's powerful enough to get them off their ass and take action. That is what beats motivation. Yes. You have a reason to act. And the reason to act overrides your bullshit excuses. Mm. What do you think? Yes. Completely agree. Where else have you seen people succeed? I've seen a lot of people succeed in terms of, well, there's lots of reasons why people succeed. Yeah, but what have you noticed are the common, the common ones here? The common ones in terms of... Where are the patterns? Making sure they've got a strong reason why. I, I think that's the biggest one. Yeah. I think, well, put it this way, I know it's the, the biggest one because I've lived it personally, as have you, and that's, that's a little bit of a sneak preview for more episodes of this season, yes. that's a very common thread with all of them yes. that we've interviewed. But I think that's number one. And you go, you can flip that in terms of back from the previous topic in terms of why people fail. That's, again, one of the biggest reasons why people fail because they don't reason to change. give them a big enough reason to change. That, well, I think it's the number one reason why people fail and, and the number one why they succeed is so, the reason to take action. The reason why, and we've spoken about this a lot in the past in terms of people will often say things like, I need to change because of this. Yeah. So there's a reason between want, there's a difference between want and need. Well, it's massive. Um, and massive. I think that a lot of people, yeah. and, and sometimes that's not even the person's fault necessarily. A lot of people, I've seen it, where they've given themselves a reason why and mm. it's turned out not to be strong enough. Well, we're not going to sit here and blame people for no. things. This is more a case of just like, traits that we've noticed yes so having having that strong reason to change is the number one reason yes. that i've seen people succeed so i think having it in the first place but then also making sure that it's strong enough mm. and i think that sometimes don't 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 be disheartened if you get a few months down the line and realize that the reason that you were aiming for the reason why you had in your mind your goal is is now maybe not quite as important to you as you thought a few months ago, it's not a reason to stop and it's not a reason to let it derail you. It's recalibrate. It's just a reason to think about it and possibly change it. And I think that that's where a lot of people get stuck with success is they feel like that they can't evolve their goals. And that mm. is one of the number one reasons where people do succeed is because they do evolve their goals. So yes, you've always got to have that in the first place, but you've also got to allow it to evolve because things may change. You may set a goal that's going to take you two years to get. 
well, within that two years, something may change and that's okay. As long as you've got something that means something enough to you to aim for, that's the most important thing. Because the other thing is also is you've got to think about eventually you're going to hit that goal that you've set for yourself. Then what? Hopefully, yeah. You've got to then set another one. You've got to set something else that you're aiming at. So goals, I think when we talk about where do people succeed is Yes, to have a goal, to have a reason why you're doing it, but to also allow yourself to evolve that goal over time. Well, that's, that that um, leads into what I want to uh, bring up next, why people succeed. They have a long-term growth mindset mm-hmm. and are looking at the bigger picture. Yes. So they do have their goals, but they're not doing this for 12 weeks. No. Not doing this for 30 days. No. Or six months. They've reconciled in their months. minds. It's, it's, a, it's a rest of my life change. Now, that, that to me, that's not an excuse to take your foot off the pedal and, and take it easy, but they are, they're in it for the long haul and they want the benefits of this long term. I think short-term thinking, that's what leads to going around in circles. You might lose some weight, gain it back. Do your next short-term challenge, lose the weight, gain it back, repeat, 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 repeat. Because there's no after-after. And this is then where the analogy of the braces comes back in. Yeah. You've constantly got to be thinking long-term. There has to be changes going forward that you can't just change something for 12 weeks and expect it to last the rest of your life. No, no. I mean, how many how many times have we seen people get a decent short-term result then go backwards? Yeah. Like it's... Our industry is littered with stories like that. Because they're not thinking about the braces effect. No, of course not. And that is what we're going to call well, it from that, now well, on. <laughs> maybe you will. But they're not thinking long term and they're not thinking about the growth that occurs inside yourself along the way, the way your self-awareness changes. But those that do have that growth mindset or do develop it, they approach things a bit differently. And they start to think about things, not just on, the, on like a a micro level, but on a macro level, and they start to think big picture, like like where am I actually going with this? Mm. Where could I be going with this? Uh, another area where people succeed that I've noticed with people that we've worked with is that they become more and more willing to take responsibility mm. and own their own shit. And I, on one hand, I want to say they care less about the mistakes they make, but I think more accurately, they're more willing to, they accept that they make mistakes and are willing to learn from them Mm. and look at it like, well, okay, a mistake has been made. Okay. That's part of being human. What can I take from this? How can this inform what I do moving forward? That approach is a hell of a lot different to, I've made a mistake. I've failed. Yeah, well, it's, it comes back down to taking that responsibility for the mistake yeah. and just saying, yes, I made a mistake. How can I move on from this? Yep. As opposed to denial about the mistake and about how it was made and then the result of the mistake and then you can't move forward. There's a lot to be said, and I like to use this phrase, there's a lot to be said for owning your own shit. And I've done a lot. it. I've, I've been through it multiple times over the last few years where I've had a certain period of time where I've gone backwards, I've gained weight 
for one reason or another, it wasn't always the same mistake, but somewhere in there, there was a mistake made. And I could, I learned very quickly that I could easily sit there and try to hide that mistake, be embarrassed about it, don't want to pretend it hasn't happened. But then you're not dealing with the mistake. You're not learning from it. You're not acknowledging it, which means I couldn't move on from it. And I've then in in the past few years seen that happen with other people and I've warned them of the same thing that I went through unless you can acknowledge it own it learn from it you can't move on and I've seen people take that advice and move on and I've seen people not take that advice and quit go nowhere Uh, other area I see people succeed is they are good communicators Yes, that's a big one they talk and in particular from our perspective they talk to us Mm mm-hmm it's a common thing that I see with people, especially the clients that we've worked with, where they're not they're not quite applying the growth mindset and they're still in the mistake mindset, is that they'll tell you everything that's going on when they think they're killing it. <laughs> and when they don't think they're killing it, what do you, you, know, you know what they tell you? Crickets. Crickets. Fucking nothing. Funny thing is like, it's like, do you think we don't see this? Mm. <laughs> Come on. You know, you can see it coming a mile away, but that's a common thing I've noticed. The ones that improve are the ones that actually talk more mm. in, and and talk more about the good and the bad. Yes. So it's celebrating the wins and, hey, gee, I'm doing this better. I've done that better. This is happening. But also then owning up to, oh, you know what? I dropped the ball on Friday. Yeah. But, hey, today I picked the ball back up. Yeah. So, yeah great. Fantastic. Lack of communication is a killer, but a, a consistent level of communication is a trait of a successful transformation. And it's one that, and this is, I suppose, ties into responsibility. Like you sign up to work with a coach or a trainer, they don't do the work for you. Mm. They show you the path. You must walk it. In... Part of the responsibilities of being a client when you're walking that path is like there, there are things you need to do from your end of, the, end of the bargain. Like it's not just, say, for example, in our perspective, it's not just Courtney and I doing all the work for you. Like no way. You have to do some work as well and meet us halfway. And I think communication might be the biggest one. The biggest expectation that I always have on my clients is like we, we don't know everything we can't read your mind. Are we good at what we do? Yeah, I reckon we're the fucking best. But it doesn't mean we're flawless or that we're Jedis and can read what's happening between your ears. Mm-hmm. If you don't tell us what's happening, how do we know? So communication is easily a trait of a successful transformation in our experience. Mm. Any others that you've got? Um, I'm just trying to think. Where do people succeed? Oh, accountability. Um, accountability, definitely, which again just then comes down to communication. Mm-hmm. True um, that. Yep, well said. But I think that a big one also is people not relying on motivation. Well, that kind of goes back to the, the original success, which is they have a reason to change. Yes. It takes away motivation. So yes. I, I think, yeah, we've. So where do other people? Where is it that other people will succeed? I think they're willing to embrace change. 
I think embrace change is a big one. I know you're very big on the words embrace change. It's my favorite hashtag. It is your favorite hashtag, embrace change. I think that definitely needs to be embraced. I think that a lot of times we can get, especially when we're talking back about our client profile, I think when we're talking about people that have gone through so many bad diets, bad plans, getting their hopes up that things are going to work to have them dashed. Mm. These sort of mentalities that then it's really easy to slip into that really negative mindset of thinking that everything's just going to fail and nothing's going to work. And Mm. yeah, I I think then people can be easily disillusioned is what I'm saying. Of course. So then having that, that mentality of embracing change of, you know, just putting up as long as you've got it in your mind, those other successful points that we said, you know, you've, you've reconciled with yourself about how long it's going to take. You've reconciled with yourself that you're going to make mistakes, but it's okay that you just need to go through. You need to ask for help and do what you're told to do these sort of things. I think then, you know, you can really that, that over, that is an overview of embracing change, but I think it comes down to those individual steps. Another area where I've seen people succeed commonly is they trust the process. Yeah. Trust is a big thing. And I, again, I the feel whole, the whole business is based on trust. I feel a lot of, for a lot of people because of that, <laughs> disillusioned attitude that they come with from having their hopes dashed so many times Mm. you know there's so many programs out there that that promise a hell of a lot and it's really easy when you're so unhappy with yourself to get sucked into thinking that okay this is actually going to work and you know for a lot of people they've said they've said to us i'm embarrassed to think that that i thought that that was going to work because you know it was clearly never going to work but when you're so desperate for a solution, you're never going to think rationally in those sort of situations. You're always well, going to think emotionally. That does go into another area I see people succeed is that they they do develop an objective mind yes, and an objective viewpoint and are less prone to emotional outbursts. Yes. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say they become robots because we're human, like to be human is to be flawed and to have emotions, but the really successful ones can temper that with objectivity. Mm-hmm. And one of the easiest ways I've seen people give in with um, emotions is because Courtney and I, we regularly do photos, progress photos with our clients because you kind of have to. One of the easiest ways for me to tell where someone's head is at is when I'll I don't want to do the photos because there'll be no difference. Now, more often than not, when I've been told that, when the photos have actually come through because, hey, non-negotiable, there actually is a difference. But people are looking at things from an emotional standpoint like, oh, well, I haven't, I don't think I've done enough. Yeah. I'm not going to change. Or there's that negative viewpoint of, oh, well, I'm I'm still overweight. I'm not changing. Mm. You know, and it's the same way where the, the emotions frame how they view their mistakes and how they view their struggles. Mm. But as, as your self-awareness improves, which is another sign of a successful transformation here, as your self-awareness improves, I think your ability to look at things objectively improves. Mm. And it changes the way you view everything you do. Yes. 
Anything else you've got there? No, I don't think so. There's some, there's there's a lot there's a lot there. I think we could keep talking about this for hours. Well, but... the ones that we've the ones that we've gotten into, I'm really comfortable with. Yeah. Because they're the ones that we can apply to every single great transformation that we've been involved with with someone. So let's let's move on, getting towards the the close here. Courtney and I want to give our top six transformation tips from our experience as professionals. Yes what we've seen as trainers and coaches. We usually do a top five, as you'll hear through this season of the show, but because, you know, we need six because there's two of us here, an even number. So three each. Yes. So I'll kick things off here. Yes. My number one transformation tip from my professional perspective, I'm going to reference one of my all-time favourite TED Talks, given by Simon Sinek, one of my absolute favorite speakers, start with why. Mm. You have to start with why. Uh, I'll recommend if you've got the time, look up uh, Simon's TED Talk. Uh, it's, you can either look up Start With Why or The Golden Circle. That informs everything I do in my life. It informs how I work with my own clients. It informs how we get to know our clients and how we get to know them and their goals. You have to start with why. Why do you want to do what you want to do? And as Simon says, once you start with why, you can then get the what and the how. Mm. And that is so on point when it comes to weight loss, transformation, changing your life, changing yourself. You have to start with why you're doing it. Mm. If that's not there, it doesn't matter how good the how and the what is. Mm. They're limited. A lot of people are caught up and worry about the how and the what and don't think about the why. Mm. If the why is there, like you're on your way. Yes. You? What's your number one tip here? All right. So my number one tip is have a plan. Oh. So I think it's so important that you have a plan of attack going forward. And I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong in these sort of short-term solutions that they try to, to, to do, there's no real plan. Oh, they're winging it. They're it's, winging it's, it. It's very generic. It's very just do this for 12 weeks or 28 days. Or it's hodgepodge. It's different every single day. Yeah, it's very different. It's very uh, – it's definitely not structured. So uh, – and it's definitely not personalised. So I think having a plan of attack that is for you I think is so important – and having it structured so you know what you should be doing on each day. And this is what gets us back to poor time management, mm. being time poor, that it doesn't involve a lot either. I think that that's where a lot of these other programs, they go wrong is because they are trying to get results in such a short period of time. You're having to change and do so much mm. in a short period of time. So having a plan, which is realistic, so it's going to stretch over a longer period of time, which means you don't have to get done as much in every single day, which means that you can plan yourself around doing these sort of changes easier. And, and having it structured to the point where you're not walking into the gym, just thinking, what am I going to do today? Yeah. So everything is structured down to what exercises you're doing how many reps you're doing in the gym what cardio you need to do what day you need to do it 
How that's structured. How that's structured, time frames around that. Then you're talking about your food. Now, in terms of having a plan with food, the way obviously we work is not based around meal plans. We don't Fuck believe no. in meal plans. But you can do your own individual, whatever suits you for the week. So we've had a lot of clients that like to plan out their entire week. We've had clients that plan out two weeks ahead. Whatever works. Whatever works for you, but you've got an individual plan in place to make sure that it's that rule of proximity in terms of food. If mm. it's if it's not there, you're going to eat something shit. So making sure there's always good food in the fridge, that it is already prepared so again, if you're looking for something to eat and you have to make something as opposed to just eating a chocolate bar that's you know ready to eat, there's there's again that comes into rule of proximity and having a plan, making sure your food is prepared, ready to eat, and making sure you know exactly what exercise you need to do. I think you'd also say, like in conjunction with having a plan, is develop a routine. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what you're getting towards there. And I think that having the plan allows you to do that. And I think that it's important to, when developing your plan, having a little bit of room for movability in that to suit a routine. So I think that it's going to take you a little while to come up with a routine that really suits you. Well, that's the that's the first goal that we have with clients we work with on their first program is if you get to the end of your first program and you come out of it with a routine that you can follow and a plan that, 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 that we've formatted that you can stick with, like... We're off and running. Yeah, exactly. And that's happened over the course of three months. Yeah, not not like five hours, mate. So it's like it's not you're starting this right now, quickly come up with a routine that's going to work and go, you start tomorrow. Mm. It's this needs to be – it's going to be a little bit of a trial and error for how this sort of works in. You might decide, okay, going to the gym on Mondays is just not going to work for me long term. So don't. So let's switch this to Tuesdays and let's just see how this works next week. Mm -hmm. And you're going to go from there. So the plan is going to be flexible in terms of making sure you can sustain it as a routine. And once you can sustain it as a routine, that's when it becomes a habit. And that's what you want to have. You want to create a habit. Well said. My next transformation tip is to think long-term and play the long game. Like most of 99% of, of the industry we work in is based on quick fixes and gimmicks. Like I know there's a lot of noise around that. Honestly, it's, it's bogus. Yeah. It's bogus as fuck, but it makes easy money. So I understand why companies and businesses and trainers do that because yeah. it's a quick buck. Uh, but in terms of your best interests, you've got to play the long game. You've got to think long-term. You've got to think like, yes, you have a plan in the in the short and the midterm, but there also needs to be like, what am I doing and why am I doing this long-term? So I'll use myself as an example. One of the biggest reasons why I continue to take care of myself and strive to improve isn't just because I don't want to go back to what I used to be. It's because when as I get older, I don't want to be one of those senior citizens that becomes dependent on other people to get around day to day. I don't want that. So for me, I think long term, 20, 30, 40 years from now, I don't want to be old man Matt sitting in a retirement home waiting to die. Mm. Fuck that. Mm. So I think long-term with that. Yeah. And I'm always striving to improve so that I don't rapidly age yeah. like other people. Mm. 
So you've got to think that with yourself and not, not necessarily rapidly aging, but think long-term, like how is this going to look for you five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Not in the next three months. No. You're not going to change your life in that short period of time. No. You do have to think about how this is going to benefit your life going forward. Yep. And also in terms of the long game and thinking long term, if you're the sort of person that has had struggles, weight loss struggles, emotional eating struggles, whatever, for years and decades, you are not undoing that in three months. No. You're probably not undoing that in 12 months. No. You're making progress, mind you. You're making good progress. But years and years of struggle and bad habits take time to undo. They do. What's your next one, Court? My next one is beware of the diet mentality. This kind of plays off mindset. the last one, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So, and again, we spoke about this in terms of why people fail. It is a big problem in terms of there is so much noise in this industry. And we totally get that. Like there is so much noise in this industry, but you really need to really focus on it is not a diet. So as you said, Matt, it's not a quick fix. And I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong with the diet mentality is that then they start looking at the quick short-term solution because every diet that's ever been... Uh, promoted in the history of the world has been a short-term solution. Yep. It's always got a short-term figure on it. And a lot of them these days will try to be tricky in that they'll say, oh, this is, you know, do this for 28 days and it's going to kick kickstart your journey afterwards. Mm. And all of these sort of things, it's, you know, they are starting to say, oh, no, there is follow-on afterwards, but... What have you learnt within that diet to help you follow on afterwards? So it, it's really in terms of you've got to take the word diet out of the, the scenario. And I think that it is so quick in our society if when anybody wants to lose weight is to say, what diet are you on? Or are you on a diet? And for a lot of people, including you know Matt and I, we're not on a diet. Well, so, we're not because we've changed what we do. Uh, habitually and on a day-to-day basis we've changed our lifestyle and our routine yeah so it's not a diet if it's like well i i'm sticking with this and this is not challenging for me some people like to refer to what they're doing as a diet and that's their choice i just think that you have to be aware of the mindset of the word diet because it comes with the connotation of short term and yeah. you then have to be careful that you're not getting sucked into thinking short term if you're if you've got that diet on on your mind. So yep. if you go with what I prefer to say is things like lifestyle change, things like long term lifestyle change, yeah. or just long term eating healthy eating changes. So those are the sort of terms that I like to do. Some people it's not a big deal; they just say, "Oh, it's just a word. Who cares?" But for a lot of people, it does bring up those emotions of it's um, cutting things out, which is what a lot of diets will do. It's deprivation and it's short term. And those are the two things you don't want to be thinking about in your journey. Yep. Uh, final one from me is honestly, don't be afraid to ask for help. Because as I always say, if you could do it by yourself, you would have by now. Yeah. Don't fall into the trap of, oh, I'll just do it myself because, well, you already would have. Yeah. 
Don't be afraid to reach out to people, ask for help. Talk to your talk to your close friends. Talk to your family. If need be, get professional assistance. Mm. We have. Yeah. And you need to do that, I think, even if you get the professional assistance, you still need to ask family and friends around you for help because the last thing that you want to do is to be going through this alone and go home to a house full of junk food. Well, I suppose you might even just edit the name of this particular transformation tip to like get the right support network. Yeah. It has to be there. Personal, professional, like you've got to have the right people around you that have got your back. Now, I've seen it plenty of times. I call it dud partner syndrome, dud friend syndrome, where you might have people close to you that sometimes it's unwilling, sometimes it is willing, they sabotage you Mm. and you go backwards. I've seen it with people pleasers that that want to fit in. So, well, I'm just going to go back to drinking on the weekend because my friends and family do, yet deep down I'm not happy with how I look, but that's okay, I'm fitting in. Yeah, and you're not making a situation necessarily impossible, but you're making a situation a thousand times harder for yourself. It's already hard to do this. Yes. Hence why most people don't get this done. Yes. And most people do fail. So it's already hard enough without it being made even harder, if not impossible, by a poor support network around you. Yes. Choose very wisely who you've got in your corner. Yeah. What's your last one, Courtney? My last one is celebrate the small wins. I love that. And again, I'm not going to go into this too much because I know we've touched on it a lot in the past, but it's something that you constantly need to keep in your mind that you can't just wait until you reach your end goal to be able to celebrate because if you do that, the chances of you making it have been made 10 times harder. And you then overlook all the positive things you are doing, the one percenters. You're sort of robbing yourself of the ability to be excited or to be proud of yourself. You're robbing yourself of of those sort of feelings because you're refusing to see all the good that you're doing. So, mm. I mean, you could be robbing yourself of hundreds and hundreds of, hey, good job, girl, or great job, guy, because... <laughs> You are refusing to see it because you're just waiting to hit that end goal. Yep, and there's plenty of little uh, small wins that you will and need to have along the way. So let's some basic examples here. Yeah. A small win could be you now have a, a training routine and a plan that you can stick with. Yes. That fits in with your lifestyle, with your work, with your social life, and you can still get this done. That's a win. That's a win. You have uh, a routine of regularly prepping your own food. Every week that fits in with your lifestyle. Win. It could even be something as simple with that you as... You eat breakfast. You eat breakfast. Win. Win. You, you are taking the dog for a walk a couple of times a week. Win. Win. You You've, take the stairs rather than the lift ah, at the office. Win. Win. You've decided to join the gym. Win. Which you were super nervous about doing. Win. Mm. You're going to the gym and you've made that a habit. Win. Here's something you can even get, even like say, super detail on this one. You replace the fast food pizza on Friday night with a homemade pizza. Win. Win. A lot of people, that's where it starts. <clears throat> a lot of yeah. people, they, they get too overwhelmed with the big picture and they don't. And this is what helps when you're talking about celebrating the small wins. It helps you narrow your focus also, and not get overwhelmed. Also, other wins you have that come from the improvements you make, like, you know. I've got more energy every single day. Win. My hair's improved. 
Yeah. My skin's clearing up. Even something as simple as... I don't have the 3 p.m. crash in the afternoon. I don't get sick as much. When? It could be something related to your actual exercise. I'm getting stronger. I couldn't do a squat with any weights on it for three months. Yes. For three months, I haven't been able to do that. And I've, I've been doing it body weight, and now I can do it with a bar. Or that niggle in my shoulder's gone away. It's been rehabbed and strengthened. I've now got no pain in this part of my body. Win. So those are, you know, then you talk about your other wins, like I can fit into a dress size smaller. They're the bigger wins. Those are the ones that are obvious. Those are the celebrate the small wins that are obvious. So I'm not at my perfect dress size yet, but I've gone down one. That's a win. But <coughs> the, the, those other examples that, Matt, you were just talking about, they are so important that are so easily overlooked because it people have the mentality where it's like, oh, well, I should be doing that. Well, whether you should be doing it or not, it's still a win, the fact that you were able to do it. So those are my last one. That's my last one. And I think that that's one of the most important ones. Well said. I reckon we we wrap this up. Any final comments that you want to make? No, I don't think so. I think that it's just most, most, most important thing to do is to look at where you've made mistakes in the past, learn from them, and then make sure that you've got a clear plan ahead to get the success that you want. Well said. So I reckon we we put a bow on this. So this is this is the first episode of the new season. So hopefully you will get a lot out of not just this episode, but the forthcoming episodes and the interviews that uh, we've got lined up for you. You're going to see some pretty and hear from some pretty impressive people. Yeah, I'm so excited about the interviews because I think it's so powerful when you're able to hear it from the person that experienced it, mm. not just from then secondhand, just us, you know, telling you about how it all came together. Just, just us blithering on. Just yeah. being able to hear from the particular person about their, their struggles and things like that is, is, is going to be really, really exciting. I agree. So if you've made it this far, um, well done. Yes. Before we go, though, we want to offer you a pretty special opportunity if you're ready to change your life with us. So this episode, we shared what we think is pretty good insight. Yes. Just ask us into where people succeed and fail with their weight loss efforts, their transformation. Now, we've learned these insights through our own personal experience, but as well as our own professional experience, because we've now worked with hundreds of people all over the world. Like you, you work with enough people, you start to see where, where and how this all works. Now, we don't talk about it much, but Courtney and I do have what we consider a pretty exclusive and premium transformation program that we call the Transformation Project. Yes. So that's where we, Courtney and I, both personally guide you through your own transformation. Now, this can involve and does involve learning, for example, how to train effectively and safely in your own gym, no matter where you are in the world. Yes. Learning how to train like we do and taking those skills with you on the road. Mm. But that's just where it starts. We also help people to take their habits that work against them and turn them into positive habits that actually are the things that power your transformation. And they're also the things that help you keep your results. So we don't do 
just exercise programs. We don't do just meal programs. We, we take someone by the hand and show them the path and take them down the path to a life-changing transformation, but also you, you learn how to keep it. Yeah, that's right. Now, worth mentioning, Courtney, we don't just take anyone No, we do know who we can and can't help. We do indeed know who we can and can't help. Uh, on one hand, I don't want to say that we're picky, but actually we are picky, so let's be honest. Yeah. We do. We, we, you know. You know who you can work with. You know who you can't work with. So we're now taking – we're currently taking applications to – bring some new members into our transformation project community. If you feel that you've been spinning your wheels for a bit too long and it's time to, you know, step things up, take some meaningful steps forward, but do it with people that have done it themselves Mm. and have the results of doing it with others that don't rely on short-term gimmicks or quick fixes or just bullshit like that. We'll go to the weightlosspodcast.com because that's our website address. Yes. And you'll see a link there on the front page to the Transformation Project. Click that and start working through that. That's a bit of an application that will come to us and we'll be in touch from there. If you think it's, it's your time, like, hey, come talk to us. We're here. And I reckon that's a wrap. That's a wrap. We look forward to you, you hearing all of the other interviews over this season. Yes. Enjoy the rest of the season and we'll speak soon. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 